Making It Make Sense, the podcast from Real Fear Records. Episode number two, The Love Buzz. Introduction recorded on the windiest day of the year beside the loudest roads in all of Dublin. Welcome to episode two of the Real Fear podcast. It's 8 a.m. I'm out on a little walk this morning. My name is Robert. This week we're talking with Cork Bands, The Love Buzz. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode we, where we talked with Happy Alone. The Love Buzz consists of three people. Kieran, Aidan and Henry. They formed in Cork a number of years ago. Having begun recording under a different name, they changed their name to The Love Buzz and have since released um, three singles on Spotify, the latest of which is the one that we're talking about today, which is called Harp. Their other single, Sainsbury's, which, was, which isn't, isn't on Spotify right now, but I've been told will come back on Spotify soon. And their first... EP, Candy Flip. We started our conversation by talking about the story behind the song. Um, the story behind the song goes, like we, we wrote it around this time last year. Um, it was when, it was when like, you know, everybody was staying inside and nobody was really seeing each other and um yeah. I, I was living in a house in Bishopstown it was very like big house big garden so it was pretty easy and I was living with like there was like seven of us in the house or something or six of us in the house but um I was just living there with my girlfriend Claire and a bunch of mates and we were just trying to chill in getting like a routine down and I was trying to yeah. get new material written for the band because there was nothing else to do so i think it just started with like we actually have the original demo up on soundcloud yeah but i listened to that was, before it's it's a lot uh harsher it's a lot rougher than than what's on spotify yeah we made it because back then we only had audacity mm. right so we made that one <laughs> we had audacity and we had we were soon to have reaper but we used audacity for that one and um, I think the cases were low, and Aiden was allowed. Aiden was allowed to come up. His parents were okay with him coming up because he was living at home at the time. Yeah, yeah. And we were all. Everyone in the gaff was okay with Aiden coming up for like two weeks. So Aiden came up, and what we started doing was we started microdosing LSD. Okay. So we were microdosing. We were microdosing acid and trying to write as many songs as we could every day. Okay. Schedule. Schedule. So, like, we'd wake up at 11 and we'd work out or go on a walk. Then we'd have breakfast and drink smoothies and stuff. Right. And then, about like, and then at like half 12, one, the acid would have kicked in and we'd start writing tunes. Yeah. And I think Harp was the first thing that we actually like wrote that we knew was going to be for the Love Buzz. So, it all, it all started out with that riff, you know, the. I think I've been playing with that for a while. And then we were listening to a lot of My Bloody Valentine. So do you know the opening drum of Only Shallow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does it in a lot of tunes on Loveless, that same fill. So we recreated that fill, dropped it over the guitar, put in a bit of bass, a bit of keyboard. And that was all it was for a while, you know? And we were like, oh, we feel good about this. 
um nothing else really and then we just kind of moved on and started making other tunes without lyrics yeah dropping loads of acid and then it got to a point where i think aiden went home and we were like i was just kind of like oh now i gotta do something with all these tunes now yeah. i gotta finish them you know so i was having trouble with that one i had the chorus but then i was having trouble with the verses I think I was still in microdose and acid at the time. <laughs> and then um, my girlfriend Claire was there as well. And she's really good at poetry and stuff. So I was just like, do you want to help me write this? Because I feel like it's easier to write with other people because you're not as critical about the lyrics as yeah. when you come up with them. But if someone else gives you a lyric, you're kind of like, that's cool. But you yeah. know that if you, came up with it, if you came up with it yourself, you would have been like, that shit. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you, I can, I feel like sometimes though it's a little bit embarrassing if you're trying to come up with lyrics with another person and then you shoot something that's a little bit kind of earnest or it's a yeah. bit too sweet or something and then you look like a bit of a jackass. Do you ever find yeah, that? There was, there was like a bit of that back and forth when we were trying to write the song, myself and Claire, like, like yeah. she would say a lyric and I'd be like, mm, I don't know about that. And then I would say a lyric and she'd be like, mm, I don't know about that. But my lyrics stayed and some of hers stayed, you know. <laughs> I guess it has to be somebody that you know very well and you have a sort of a sense of intimacy with or else you can't do that because if it's someone you're just jamming with um, yeah, it can be yeah, kind definitely. of revealing you know when you're when yeah, that's, you're that's, with stuff. that's true that is true but, did you, uh, yeah, did you feel like when you when you were microdosing that, did that kind of affect the, the way the music came out or the way the lyrics came out as opposed to it, how you were doing songs before. Yeah, it, it definitely affected the productivity and efficiency okay. of everything and just the general interest. Yeah. Because, like, if you're, like, say if you're just going around, say we're just going around smoking weed all day, yeah. you're not going to fucking, you're not going to sit down and write a tune all day. Like, you're going to get bored, like, and you're going to get distracted. <laughs> like, myself and Aiden can get quite distracted. And then next thing you know, you're, playing Fortnite for a few hours and you're stone as fuck. So it's a slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. <laughs> but things like microdosing LSD will make you more productive and you just kinda of get sucked in. Yeah. So like it's not that we were like making more songs or it's not like we were picking up the guitar more or anything like that. It's just that when we did we were doing it for longer. Yeah. Right. And we we're doing it faster. Just going back to that, I think that the whole microdosing thing is very interesting. Was that the first time you did that for songwriting or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. The first time of doing it ever. Yeah. Uh, we tried doing it with big bits before, but it just doesn't work. Yeah, we tried, we tried doing right. it with actual doses, but it wasn't working. Uh, you need a, just the tiniest amount. You need like a tenth. And then you don't, you don't even notice it. That's the thing. You don't even notice you're tripping. You just yeah. kind of like, I want to do More this. More engaged with things. But still yeah. in reality. Bit of acid, and, bit of coffee, bit of smoothie. Grand. And how do you feel like the music is different on acid versus off acid? Like what's the besides it actually existing, like you were saying you, you don't get around to actually writing it if, if yeah. it's weird, but like yeah. is there a difference in how it comes out, like the actual melodies or mm. I suppose it's hard to say because like you can't see Because mel melodies are like dormant for yeah. ages do you know melodies be dormant in your head for months yeah. and then you just find some you find a gateway to kind of shit it out you know 
So yeah. it's hard to say what state you'd be in when those melodies form. Do you know? So you I, think it's a I, way I, of accessing what's already there rather than coming up with something new? Yeah. I think that's all, all songwriting is. I don't think I don't think anybody really writes anything new on the spot. Yeah. Because I'd agree with that. I was, yeah. We were kind of saying the last week, um, I don't know if, if this was in this, but if you're writing a song, it's a lot like you're sculpting. It's like a, something you're chipping. You're trying to find it as opposed to actually pulling it out of nothing. Yeah. Like it's kind of That's there true. already and you're just putting it together. Yeah. Does that make, I agree does more. That make sense? Or? It does, yeah. And then when you're microdosing acid, it just comes quicker, I guess. But I don't exactly. think that... It's hard to say that the songs would be different. Yeah. But I guess... Yeah, so circumstance... Yeah. Altered everything. Maybe if we did weren't microdosing acid, we'd have ten songs coming out instead of five, you know? Or maybe if we didn't then we'd have three songs instead of five. Yeah. But like, you know, we just go to split up the process. How much do you guys write together? We only write when we feel like we have to, you know? Yeah. We don't like write when there's no reason to, I suppose, in a way, like mm. so like when we were writing this time last year, when we were writing the Here Comes the Scum EP, we knew that we have to do it because it's like, okay, there's no more gigs. Stopped. We, with that EP, we literally wrote everything in the space of like a month because we yeah. knew that we just had to put every song that we'd written behind us and just create some new ones. And it worked out very well. See, now we're at a point where that was a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have to write more songs. But I feel like in this lockdown, there's just way less pressure. Or I'm, like, I'm pressure. There's way less, like, we have we work now, you know? Yeah. So, like, it doesn't feel like you're living on a desert island trying to make an album. It just feels like normal waiting. It just feels, yeah. So now we're trying to write an album. And it's just kind of coming out a lot slower because we don't have right. so many days off. Yeah. You know? Do you f so you feel like it's a time thing that if you have more time, you make more stuff? I think it's almost if you have less time. And if you set yourself a dead boundary, like, like we said, like last year we were like, okay, it's April now. We got to have these songs. We got to be in the studio by June. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like, we haven't really set a date. Now we're saying that we want to be in the studio by like September. So it's just going to come out a lot slower. But that's a good thing too, because the longer you have to mull over something. Like, because if you're trying to write an album, you have to write like 20 songs. Yeah, for sure. And so far, I think we've written about eight bits of songs. But we're not taking it's... acid anymore, you know? <laughs> it's I'm not taking acid anymore. <laughs> It sounded like when you were describing the recording process for Harp that it was kind of a very involved thing. Like it took a long time to put it all together. Uh, yeah, it you know. took like a few weeks. Is that yeah. because you're recording all the, the drums live and every guitar part live? Oh, when we were actually... No, what, we did it all in the bedroom first. In the demo, we just did it in the bedroom when we used like... Right. We used... Uh, we programmed in drums and then we... Put, layered everything else up with we bought our very first interface last year we never had an interface for like two or three years of us making music 
and everything USB to guitar before. We bought our first one and we were just like, this has opened up a whole new world to us. So we actually only started like properly producing music last year, you know? What's your workflow like for recording? Like, what do you use? You're saying you're, you, you started off with Audacity, then you moved to a proper DAW. And now what do you Yeah, use? we started off with Audacity, then we went on to Reaper. Yeah. And I was using, I was using Reaper to make all the, like, the, the proper demos for the EP. And then after the EP was done, so like for, for like autumn and winter, I was still using it. We were still writing tunes, but it's such a head wreck reaper. Like, and then I saved up money because I was working in KFC and I bought a Mac. So I just used GarageBand because it's already there. Like I'm yeah. pretty lazy. Like, like I wouldn't Me be too. going around wait, waiting for Ableton and downloading all the packs and stuff. Like yeah. GarageBand is all, it's all there. And I know I'm not going to be producing the music at the end of the day as well. Like, yeah. as, much, as much as I like the DIY approach, like, if I'm writing a tune, then if I want it to sound good, I'm not going to spend hours and hours trying to do it myself. I'm just going to yeah. save up money and get someone that's been doing it for 10 years to do it instead. You know, because that's good. Like, I don't know. I don't. I feel like it's always better to get more ears yeah. and better equipment and more time. Yeah, because it feels more involved when you have someone or someone else working with you and yeah. for you because you're waste. You don't want to waste their time either. And it's easier to be happy with someone else's work than be happy with your own work. Like, sure. I don't know if I'll ever. I don't know if I'll ever make something on my laptop that I'm comfortable with, like putting out on Spotify. But I suppose nothing's ever finished. Like you know, we can all agree yeah. with that. You know. Yeah. No well, you're you always going to be super critical of your own stuff. I mean, when yeah. you. There's just, I definitely agree with what you said about the more ears, the better for recording. You know, like yeah. there's some stuff that you just completely miss in terms of EQ and and recording yeah. and that, that you can't hear yourself. So you record all the demos on the laptop and then you go to the studio to, to record. Was Hype recorded in his studio or? Yeah, it was recorded with um, Chris Summers. He's the guy that we made the Candy Flip EP with as well. So we've been working with him now for two years, I'd say, two or three years. Mm. He was doing sound he was doing sound engineering for us in Dali. So that's how he found oh, us. Yeah. So he was already very familiar with our sound and our setup. So it was, it was really natural. He was just like, oh, you know Gilbert? Remember Gilbert? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he produced our album for them and engineered it and stuff. So we heard that and we were like, oh, we'll get on to this guy. So, but um, yeah, so how it works now is that we would send him the demos, he would listen, and then he'd like call over to the gaff or give us a call. And then we'd pick which ones are the best and then kind of work with that. Um, yeah, he's like, yeah, so he'd bring us up to, there's like a practice room by the yeah. Lee Fields. And like load of bands in Cork play there, like the older bands, you know, like Alter Hours and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They record there. So we go to that cabin and record there with Chris with like the proper gear. Um, and what was that yeah. recording process like? Um, basically, yeah, so we talk, we talk about it for ages before, before going up. And then we'd all go up for like 
How, long, how many days? We aim for like, we usually aim for about three days, but it usually ends up being about five. What do you talk about? Yeah. Like references? Uh, what do we talk about in the studio? Before going up. Uh, structures and shit. Yeah, we do a lot of structures. He kind of tells us to come up with all the sounds ourselves. And then he'll tell us if he doesn't like it, you know. But then when it comes to the day that you like record a guitar, then he brings out all his pedals and he's like, okay, we're going to work on this for an hour and then get going, you know. But we try to do similar tones or everything. So we do like the same patch up for every song, but maybe flick on different pedals, you know. But um, but yeah, we like, we don't really chill out until it's over. Yeah. yeah. So like on like the first day, we'll just be doing drums and there wouldn't be much banter. And then the drums are over and then we'd be like laughing away and showing each other like shit, cork tunes from the 80s and stuff. But, like um, what kind of stuff? Like Stump. We listen to Stump. We're listening to loads of Stump in the studio. I feel like I know Stump. Uh, you don't know Stump? You should know Stump. I do. Look what? I do. They're, co- they're like... They're like if... If Pretty Happy grew extra fingers and Aaron Blake became like a Moyam artist. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright, bring He's like you want to be calling me all the time Life on me, check out my cuisine Why is my heart a drum? Like sex on the beaches What else is in the teachers of beaches? Oh, Yeah, there's there seem to be a lot of these kind of um, like wacky bands from Cork in the '90s and late '80s. Yeah. Like that seemed to mm-hmm. be the thing about bands there that they were always kind of left of center, left of field. Yeah, I got the impression. You know, why do you think that is? <laughs> I think it's just a complete detachment from Ireland itself. Like Cork is like. And the world, even. And the world, like, yeah. Like, Ireland is so disconnected from the world. I think Cork is just so disconnected from Ireland that it's just like, fuck you, like. Screaming I think that's what it is. No one's going to hear you anyway. Like. Yeah, I think it's like that. I think it's like screaming into a pillow. Yeah. And it's just like... Because, like, Cork... Like, you could be your biggest band in Cork and nobody in Dublin will know who you are. Do like, you know what I mean? And that was definitely the same thing back then, like, you know? Yeah. Um, so I reckon, yeah. yeah, it was probably just people just trying to take the piss out of music, like. But like back in the eighties, like that. What were you saying? Sorry. Is it, sorry, I was just saying. Do you think there's a, a totally different identity in Cork than in Dublin than say, like Kerry or, yeah. or Limerick or something? I, I totally well, see what I, you mean, though, about there being a separation. You know, like nobody's heard of half of the big bands in Cork in Dublin, yeah. and they could be like. Yeah. Household names in Cork. Yeah, exactly. Which is weird, like, but like, like you couldn't get away with being the murder capital in Cork. I, well, like, murder capital I mean? from Cork. I know, but they wouldn't get really like wouldn't yeah. see that around. Like, there's not many bands that would be going serious, like sincere. Like, there's sincere, not much. Yeah. There's not. There, yeah, there isn't much sincere. Like, sincere music in Cork doesn't go too far. 
pink card. Yeah. I feel like. I think, you, would you agree with that? I think that's pretty true. Like, I don't know. I can't think of anybody who does, like, you know, ballads or something or, <laughs> you know. Well, I guess you say, like, Happy Lone makes sincere music. Yeah. But there's also that kind of Kurt Cobain esque irony in it. Yeah. But well, it's not straight to Happy music, Lone. Would be, they'd, be big, they'd be bigger in Dublin than they would be in Cork. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that's probably just because there's literally more people or, as yeah, opposed true. to mm. but I see what I see what you mean though like in general think, Dublin music is more sincere yeah what do you think about music in general in Ireland at the moment like who's your favourite bands besides the in ones that, that we know yeah favourite small bands kind of small-ish small to medium bands yeah yeah I suppose I, I like um I like the 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 kookiness of uh, Static Vision. Yeah, they're from you know Limerick. What, Have you heard you know that? I met. If, well, do I? I played with him before because he used to know Mark, right? And oh, we went yeah. to his. He used to follow us on SoundCloud like before we started to dry roasted peanuts, and then we went and played yeah. at his house before, uh, like oh, no, myself, I... him, and, and Mark. And he's so tall. Is <laughs> the first day. Yeah, he's very tall. He's oh, very but, tall. And he's just, he's so like, um, he's very, very creative. And he's just like yeah, he is. constantly shouting out ideas and stuff. He's very fun to play with. And yeah, I've liked his music yeah. for, for a long while. But um, yeah, their, their gigs, like they, they just, they need an extra little thing. They need a bit more momentum or something. I played you, drums with them before. Oh, really? I played drums with them in Limerick, yeah. The songs are very is good. They are. They're very. It's like sixties pockets. Yeah, yeah. Which is perfect. Like I love it, and I love his kookiness in general. Mm. Like, yeah, that's a very good example of irony. It's yeah. a very particular style in the way he sings and um, and everything. I, I always I was saying this as well last week about people who can be very prolific, and you can just keep pumping yeah. out songs, and he can just do songs for for days, like. You know, yeah, he's, he's, like, he's written in a ridiculous amount. He just like shits out a few songs every day. There was this song he, he did so like, six years ago called Oh My that's on his SoundCloud at like the very bottom. Yeah. And he never plays it anymore. And I, every time I used to go to his gigs, I'd ask him to play, but he never would. It's a really good song. It's, it's, it's just like a, like a one minute and 20 kind of song. But um, that's good. It's really good. Yeah, no, yeah. I like, I like uh, Static Vision. Anyone else that we can think of? Um, Do you like um, New Dance? They just put out a, um, an album. Uh, yeah, I like, I like New Dance anyway. They're very clean cut. Shoegaze. They have it. Like, they, they have do, it. yeah. And um, yeah, they've obviously been honing that for a while. But yeah, I watched that that Galway music scene documentary yesterday. What's have that called? That yeah. I haven't seen that. I no. can't remember what it's called. You'd have to go onto like Turnstiles Instagram or like New Dad's oh, Instagram. Is it with that, that record label up there? Uh, what are they called? Blowtorch. Blowtorch. No, I don't think it's got anything to do with Blowtorch. I think it's just one of the girls that is in, involved in the scene just started yeah. filming all the bits and did a few interviews. 
He's a very nice cool. guy. The guy who runs um, Blowtorch. Blowtorch. Is, is that Jake that guy? I forget his name now, but, but I think it could, maybe. But I remember I spoke I to him at one thing before, and he was very nice. Is he a young fella? No, older guy. Oh, that must be Turnstall's manager. We haven't met it, him yet. It is. That's him, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. He was talking. In the documentary. But go on. No, no you go. Nothing. You do it, boy. Well, no. <laughs> he was talking about you guys last time I saw him. And he just oh, yeah? was mentioning he, was, he had a lot of very positive things to say. Yeah, very good. So he must have seen us at some point. I think he must have, yeah. But like, we're pretty connected with turnstiles as well. So, like, yeah. Good lads. They're very good lads. But yeah, in the documentary, you see, like, you see New Dad, and there's, like, yeah. them from, like, from, like uh, two years ago or a year ago or whatever, pre-COVID, like. Yeah. And there was, all, there was just them, like, um, hanging out in their room, like, uh, making tunes on Ableton. And even, that was even before, I think they had only, like, one or two singles out, but you could tell by the go off them that they knew exactly what they were going to do and they're yeah. kind of just doing it now like, which is really interesting like like they were saying like in the thing they were like saying that they're like one of the quieter bands around so they would struggle to be louder than other bands in like the Galway scene but th- they were basically saying that that they don't like that and that they want to be big in London and now mm-hmm. they've sold out their gig in London, but they haven't sold out their gig in Galway. Do you know what I mean? But they, so that's kind of like I know exactly what you mean like, because a different a different style and sound will appeal in London to what will appeal in Cork or Galway and Cork, obviously. And I think their yeah. sound is very typical of what would appeal there because they kind of remind yeah. me a little bit of a band like Wolf Alice or something like that. You yeah, know, like exactly. The, yeah. All those kind of female-fronted alt-rock bands, and obviously, sincere. Um, very sincere, very sincere as well. Yeah, but very just yeah. like very straightforward, melodic. You know, and the singing yeah. is just, um, you know, there's very it's, good. Just cl- it's clear and it's it's it's, it's it straightforward. Hits, it hits that part like yeah. I don't know how. Like I, obviously, I can't do that with my voice. <laughs> you know, girls can do that really cool thing with their voice. It's almost like they're pushing like the middle through I don't know what yeah. it is it's just really clear like it's great but but sometimes that can sound like bad depending on on what's behind it because you have to you know you a girl's voice it's a totally different ballpark than yeah. than, than a guy's voice and to make that sound kind of um cool and kind of kind of interesting for like an alt rock song i think it's a hard thing you know like yeah. there's not there's not that many female fronted alt rock bands besides like the ones i mentioned you know that i can think of at the time. well there's a few there's a good one yeah i think there's gonna be a lot more after all this crack i would say so you know magazines is a I th- are they the, the 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 ones from the eighties? No, the mag the magazine club. They're like. They're from I, know, I don't think I know them. Who else would they're be in... on the go? Cherim and all that. There's, there's... You like the bands in the north? Yeah, like Touts and Cherim. Um, I do like Touts, man. They're very fast. 
and mm. yeah. are they they like um I think I saw them play in Workman's like a long time ago. Are they like a punk band yeah. there? Yeah, like a punk band from Derry. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. Doing, they're doing work with uh, Paul Weller at the moment. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. No, I saw them. They're they're pretty pretty intense live. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I can't think of any other bands to mention off the top of my head now. To be honest, what's your like, what what are your guys's your guys what are your plans for after COVID gig wise? Have you anything planned straight away or? Yeah, we're yeah. planning we're planning like a, a tour in December, and it's going to be like it's going to be one night after another, which we really like, like you know. Yeah. It's best to tour one night after another, I think, rather than in a week space. Yeah. Well, it makes a lot momentum. more, you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, you sort of, the momentum from every night is rolling into the next one. Yeah. yeah. I think it makes so a lot more fun. So I think we're starting with Galway, then the next night we're in Cork, then the next night we're in Dublin, which is kind of like a perfect setup, like, yeah, because it's like, Dublin's, Dublin's going to be hard, like. We're kind of yeah. worried about that because we haven't played like a proper, we've played like a few like shows in like small venues, like the underground or whatever. But now we've booked like um, a proper venue. And this will be What's our the first venue? proper was uh, Wheelands. Oh yeah. We've played there before. We've but... played there before, but we haven't headlined, you know, we're yeah. playing upstairs in Wheelands for the first time as like a headliner. So that's something to be worried about. Cause like, we know we can rack in a crowd in Cork because we've done it like loads, but we have no clue how Dublin's going to go. I don't know how, how Dublin knows us yet, really. Yeah, we do. We aren't sure what Dublin knows us. They're not yeah. at the gig. I think you'd probably be surprised. You know, I suppose it is the the, the like natural next step is to try and do Dublin more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, because like you can play Cork gigs your whole life, and yeah. Whatever, and people have. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and people will. People, there's sorry. nothing wrong with that either. It's great. No, great there's, there's no. Right. You do that, but you don't want to be that. We don't want to be that guy. You're planning on putting out an album in, or when? When? What kind of time frame? So, like, we're planning on like, we're planning on having it recorded by those gigs in December. That would be nice. Yeah, you get singles going there if you want to. Yeah, but like, obviously, like, it's really hard to say. Like, we just want to pump one out, like, you know, because yeah, I feel like I feel like yeah, as a, like the the art of the album is dying. And until you can put out an album, then are you even an artist? Like, that's how I feel about my own work. Is like, how can I take myself seriously until I've written and produced an album? You know? Yeah. No, I get so that. I, I mean, that's the kind of that's like 
the equivalent of writing a novel if you're a writer, you exactly. know? Exactly. Like, that's the you big can't thing. Keep short yeah, yeah. But you can, like, you know. Well, it's just a diff, it's a more substantial form, you know? Yeah. I, I, I guess. But, um, yeah, but no, but it's certainly. Trying. Sorry? Spotify's trying hard to kill the elephant, you see, like. Yeah, how so? Just by pushing singles more. Pushing singles. You can only promote one one song on an album, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... You don't want to buy albums anymore. Yeah. Usually. It's certainly been like that since the 80s, like, though, hasn't it? With the singles market just being the main market for music. You know, I think... um, less and less people have been buying albums since then. Like, I don't remember the last time I listened to an album full way through, except for the ones that I already knew, you know? That's so true. I don't know, I, I've been trying to make a conscious effort to listen to, like, a new album every few days because trying to get into the album mindset is kind of difficult. So I was trying to listen to loads of good albums, and loads of bad albums, or just loads of albums that have good songs on them. But it's not necessarily a good album. Here's a here's a, a question. So you're trying to put an album together, and this is something that people still do, obviously. But say bigger artists, their album is like a compilation of singles, right? With right. like a few yeah. other songs at the bottom that are like B sides and whatever. Do you think yeah. that because of the, the the way the singles market is at the moment, that songwriting itself has changed? To, to become something different and it's affected the structure of songs? Um, I don't know. It does now have a different shape nowadays. I think so. Like, but you like, know, if you go back to like... like you don't back. get any story albums anymore. You do though. You like, feel like, like there is still concept albums. But their singles will seem kind of like... Yeah, but like if you're making a concept album then that's, that's the body of work, you know? The yeah. singles are yeah. irrelevant. Like, yeah. like if you look at bands like... Like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard or whatever. Yeah. You gotta listen to the whole album if you wanna get it. Like, mm-hmm. well, one yeah. song is gonna do it. Because they all bleed into the next. So, like, you still have innovative bands that are doing that. But I guess, like, the, I, I, I've been looking at all oh, fucking, all these albums. And, like, if you look back at, like, Nevermind, that's, like, pumped full of singles, you know? Yeah. But there's, like, a there's really nothing... Cool, but yeah, it's it's cohesive, but there's nothing linking them together uh, thematically. Thematically, it's more of the style is linking them together, I suppose. Yeah, just the same. You know? Yeah, but like I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I was to say um, it changed. You know, I was looking at. Um, I was wondering if it's... Um, I know you guys were on TikTok a little bit like last week and I don't know if you saw yeah. much music that people put on TikTok and I was wondering if that as well is something that affects um, the songwriting because often the medium itself kind of affects the songwriting. If you have YouTube or Spotify, there's kind of a different sound for both those mediums because you can, you can put longer stuff on YouTube and the sound on Spotify yeah. is ever so slightly different. But do you think for like TikTok or something, it's always very fronted? You know, there's always a hook immediately because you have to catch people's yeah. attention. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't think we think about it really. I feel like, yeah. 
a diff- attention spans are going to just be the same, like regardless of what you're listening to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or where you're listening to it. Like people's attention spans are still going to be like, <laughs> just like if you listen to a song on Spotify or something, I think you would instantly, almost instantly know if it's going to be good or not. Yeah. Almost instantly, I suppose. But, you know, TikTok does have a certain kind of hook though. Like there's, it's all, it's all for something. But, but like you have to put the joke in before the 15 minutes or 15 yeah. seconds, you know. And the setup yeah. has to be even better than that to come in as well. So I, you I have suppose... to lead with the punchline. Like you have to go straight in yeah. with the actual information, as opposed to. I mean, unless I don't you think be anything, well. I don't think there's anything wrong with using that style of songwriting, like for TikTok, to have a punchline and a hook within mm. the first 15 seconds. That's kind of what you want in a song, like, you know what I mean? I don't know, sometimes it's not, but I feel like, you know the songs where those those songs with like a really good opening line, and you're just like, fuck yeah, you know? That's kind of what you want. I was working as a cocktail in a waitress bar. I I (laughs) wonder, though, if like, I, I saw another thing about the fact that that kind of leads to superficial songwriting then, though. And it's all just mm. hooks. And then the yeah. verse is a chorus, and the chorus is just like another chorus. Um, like Abba. Yeah. <laughs> but you couldn't put something like um, a King Gizzard's album on TikTok. I, I do, well, well, it depends on the song, but... Yeah. Um, but you know that song, Sugar Crash, it was all over TikTok for ages. Was it a, a King Gizzard song? I don't think I saw no, that one. no. Feeling shitty in my head, didn't take my fucking man. Do you know that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's everything so Um, but like that that hook was in my head for ages because it's there, you know. And then I, I went and I was like, I'll have to listen to the song, see what the rest of the song. It's only a minute and a half. The whole yeah. song. <laughs> and it's just like this feels so empty. This feels so empty. Like all like the the most I can get out of the song would be well from watching a TikTok. Like I can't go listen hooks- to the song. Do you think about hooks right. when you're writing? Like, do you try and get something that's catchy or an earworm or something like that when you're trying to come up with melodies? Um, when we were when we were doing, like, it's hard to say for like the work we've been doing now because the work we do now is just we're just trying to shit out as much as we can and then look at it later. Like, I haven't even really been writing lyrics or anything, you know? Yeah, because that's the hardest part of the process, I think. But when it came to the last. The, the, the EP that's coming out soon. Um, I'm pretty sure every song on that, there ha- there was a conscious effort to make a hook. You know? So, like, except for Harp. I suppose Harp doesn't really... It's a don't hook. It doesn't have a hook. It's just kind of, it just kind of flows. Well, it has so, a chorus, yeah. though. I mean, the chorus... It has, has a, a chorus. Yeah, but, yeah, I suppose. But it wasn't a conscious hook. Like, that was a yeah. melody before it was words. You know? Yeah, right, right. Then with, but then with other the other songs, like um, like the song LSD or the song Here Comes the Scum. Like Here Comes the Scum is a perfect example. Because like I wanted to make a song called Here Comes the Scum and then wrote around that. Do you know? I guess that's why the melody for that song is very simple. Because it's just it's just very shitting out the words. Yeah. You know? Is that something you so do like, a lot? You you start with like a phrase or something, and then expand on that. Sometimes, you know. Sometimes I like to name the song 
for writing the song. Yeah, so it kind of helps. I thought of a good uh, song name the other day, but I, I I wasn't going to put it into a song because I thought it was, um, it would be my mother was radicalized by Facebook, but I don't know if that would, if that would like work. Yeah, I, th- I like that. I like that. I like those long titles, man. You you know when you see a song and it's always or you see this a lot for album titles where it's a short phrase and then or parentheses and a, and then a very long title. That yeah, sort yeah. Of tells a little story or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Song Ten Spots. They came along from GTA, right? Yeah, we have another song called Ten Spots as well. Which is like no, it didn't come from GTA. Because we were playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto as well when we were making the last EP, you know? Or this yeah. EP that's coming up. We were playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto. And if you play Grand Theft Auto, you know that the radio is really good. Yeah, yeah. Like, you flick, you flick between radio stations, so there'd be, like, indie radio station. We should play, like, Ty Seagal, Bass Drum of Death. Stuff Fiddler. Like that. And it'd be, like, a Fiddler, yeah, lots of Fiddler. And then there was, like, a old-school punk station that we listened to. Mm. And, you know, there's a bunch of old school punk songs that like that format kind of died like like even with the new even with the new punk you know like you don't hear that three chord shit that three chord shit really anymore you know it's like it's like nowadays punk music is the mentality it's taking the punk mentality but not the punk sound yeah so we literally ripped we ripped a song from the 70s and wrote it again but we wrote about the Hashgaff in Cork City. <laughs> yeah. I know the place. So I, I guess that was like a blatant robbery. Yeah. But, but you still wouldn't know. You wouldn't know because like so many songs did from it. that time did the exact same format. Yeah. You'd have please, to please. listen to the... Say it again? Sorry, no, go on. Sorry. I was, I was saying you'd have to play GTA for hours to find it. Here's a here's a quick question. Um, how do you get over? I'll probably introduce this better in, in when I'm doing the editing. But how do you get over writer's block? When you when you take, just... load, take loads of acid. No, no. Right. Take a little bit of acid. Drink a smoothie. No, I I don't know. I don't know how to get over the writer's block. I I think you just have to plan it. Wait. To be yeah. honest. Like, is that something that you guys have have had experience with before? I suppose you could say I'm going through writer's block right now, you know? Because yeah. I can't come up with lyrics. I can only come up with, like, a chorus or a verse or even just, like, the end of a song. I keep finding myself writing the beginning and the end of a song. But not the middle. <laughs> not the middle. Not the verse or the lyrics or the chorus or the hook. Right. I just have the, the ending and the beginning, which sound good, like, but... I guess you could say I'm going through writer's block now because I can't like shit out any words. Like I'm pretty, ha- I, I find it pretty difficult to write lyrics to songs mm. because I'm sure everybody does, you know. It's, it's kind of does. when you don't try or when, like, when you're not forcing it, they come, and then when you are, yeah, it's, it's pretty much impossible. So I haven't been trying to write lyrics for a while now, but yeah. you know, 
you you come across a, a good line in your head and you write it down on your phone. And then you look back at it. Another thing I've been doing, if I've been like having trouble writing songs, is I listen to songs I wrote when I was 18 or yeah. like 17 or 18 that I never put out because I feel like when you're younger, you're just better at writing songs. That's interesting. I think you're better at writing lyrics when you're younger. Why? Uh, because could be you're, you're more naive and you don't know what's, you don't know what not to do. So you just try a lot yeah, of things. You, don't you just don't care. So you just, like, uh, yeah, my younger self was a lot funnier than my <laughs> self now. Because I hadn't seen enough shit. <laughs> so you've just been too scared by the world now and you just lost all of your humor? I guess. Uh, <laughs> I just stopped out of that. Yeah, but, I get that. Know, I, have, I have some stuff in my notes. I don't know. Yeah. But it's um, also from listening to different music as well. Do you listen to many podcasts? Yeah, I listened to all of Blind Boy. Aiden oh, yeah. Blind Boy. Yeah, yeah. What I'm do you think of his style? Um, style. They're gorgeous. The ads. The ads are shy. I listen to other ones, other like smaller podcasts that have like no ads. Where he, yeah. Like he mulls over the... Like I'd say he's like... I'd say he's well off. Like I don't think he... Like he may... I think he makes himself out to be... In, in a lot harsher position than he actually is, which kind of pisses me off. Blind boy. Like, yeah. Like, oh, you got to yeah. play the game, though. You got to play the game, but, like, there's plenty of podcasts that I listen to that don't plug, like, they just be like, oh, yeah, by the way, we have Patreon. Put on that if you want to, it would be great. But with Blind Boy, it's like, I have no source of income. This is my only source of income. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just, like, yeah. easily wrapped. 10 grand a month on that Patreon. That happens, that happened with Twitter and Corona as well. Like, I'm sure yeah. he got a load of debt because of the shows they cancelled alone and shit like that. That is true. Like, yeah. But yeah, I talk shit about Blind Boy. I think his style is good. Uh, sometimes he, like, he, I listen to, to uh, the majority of the podcasts he's put out because when I was working in KFC, I'd be doing eight hour shifts in the kitchen and I'd listen to seven or eight playing by podcasts a day like five days yeah. a week you know so yeah i'm listening to all of it he does he repeats himself a good bit i listened to an interview he did with you know actually no he was on another podcast i listened to which is the adam buxton podcast you know that one no but he appeared on that one and it was kind of weird because adam buxton is like this sort of fellow who talks like this and he's kind of talking down to Blind Boy the whole time. And, you know, it just kind of feels a bit weird to have this English guy being a bit patronizing towards this Irish guy. It felt a bit colonialist yeah. or something. But, um, so he was in a element though, Blind Boy. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was, he was just yeah. talking about his, like, philosophy stuff, you know, that he goes on about yeah. a lot in his podcast as well. Um, which I think is his background. I think he's, he's, he's a lecturer or something. As far as I heard at one point, I could be totally wrong about that. Um, yeah, when I was like 12, I heard he was a lecturer in UL. UL, well, yeah, which would make I sense. I don't think he's a lecturer. I think he just has like a master's in fucking psychology or something. 
Right, yeah. Our history as well. I don't think he yeah. was a lecturer. I think he was just an average student. Right. It's, it's funny how these things can get um, changed over time <laughs> and suddenly he becomes a lecturer. Yeah, he could be. He could be a lecturer. He might be trying to hide the fact that he's a lecturer. You think he's he's crafted this image of himself to be like, you know, Maybe. fucked for money? Like, if you have a fucking bag on your head, you might as well fake it till you make it as well. Like, Yeah. Well, you can only like, make it, it so a... far if you have a bag on your head, I suppose. I mean, how have far does that shit up? go? Have you ever looked up Blind Boy Without the Bag? No, I haven't. It kind of ruined my life a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm gonna stick yeah, it into bit. I'm gonna stick it into Google now, so I can I yeah, can see. Same. Hopefully, this doesn't. Um, blind boy, no bag. Yeah, I mean, he kind of looks like like skinny Conor McGregor. No, that's no, that's, Mr. Chrome. that's Mr. Chrome. It's the dude next to him, bro. Oh, yeah, man. That's blind boy. Yeah, he well, looks I like a young fella. I don't know what to think now. Yeah, exactly. I, it's like... This kind of changes things. Yeah, it kind of ruins it a bit. <laughs> There's one of, I'm looking at one of him now in 2008. He's looking well in that one. The bag hasn't immortalized. Joe, I think it is. I think it, he, he doesn't look how he sounds. Yeah. Now, he sounds like he would be the skinny guy because his voice is kind of high-pitched, you know? Yeah. No, he's, he's a bit chubby. But he's, like... He's, yeah. He's chilling, but it's weird looking at pictures of him, isn't it? It's like, listen, I have um, a Zoom call at four, so let's let's do an outro now, and I'll, I'll edit right, this together cool. into something that is kind of coherent. But I think we got some good stuff there. Um, yeah. So, Definitely. just to wrap things up, um, <laughs> anything? Well, what do we want to say? I think we kind of covered all um, bases there. Fuck it all. April 30th, here comes the scum coming out on vinyl. Yeah, available and pre-order already. And if you pre-ordered it, uh, you've got a good package coming in. And that was the end of my conversation with Aidan and Kieran from The Love Buzz. Next week, we're going to be talking with another real fair artist. If you're interested in taking part or you have any suggestions or criticisms or anything like that, then send us a DM on Instagram or a email at realfearrecords at gmail.com you've been listening to making it make sense the real fear records podcast until next week goodbye